As we settle in, I ask you to take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Jude. When you get the book of Jude, it's on page 1,405 in the Pew Bible, if you want to use that. We're going to be reading a passage Jude 8 through 19 here in just a minute. We start by asking you a question. Have you ever had a dream? Well, the answer is yes, of course you've had a dream. Dreams are stories and images that our minds create while we are asleep. They can be entertaining. They can be fun. They can be romantic. They can be disturbing, frightening, and sometimes even bizarre. Now, we may not remember dreaming, but everyone is thought through research says that they dream between three and six dreams each night. It's thought that each dream could last anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes. Around 95% of the dreams are forgotten by the time the person gets out of bed. Haven't you ever known when you got up, you're going, I know I dreamed about something, but I can't just put my finger on it. We know this feeling. I read someplace in research that dreaming can help you learn and develop long-term memories. Dreams typically occur, there's five stages of sleep, and I'm not going to teach you about the five stages of sleep, but they typically occur in stage five, which is called REM sleep, R-E-M sleep, rapid eye movement. This sleep happens to contain about 20 to 25% of your sleep. So you're having three to six dreams a night lasting between five and 20 minutes each happening in 25% of your sleep time. A nightmare is defined as a dream that is distressing. Now, a dreamer, as you can imagine, the definition of what a dreamer is, a dreamer is one who has dreams. You're going, Jeff, surely you got more to tell us than that, because we know that, right? But it also has a different meaning. Think about the word dreamer. A dreamer is someone that spends a lot of time thinking about and planning for things that they would like to happen, but which are very improbable or impractical. A dreamer is also a person whose ideas and projects are considered audacious and highly speculative. A dreamer, someone who lives in a world of fantasy, one who is impractical and unrealistic. And with that backdrop, I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Jude. We're going to pick up in verse 8. I'm going to read through verse 19. Jude, picking up in verse 8, reads like this. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, daring not to bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts. In these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to you, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the area of error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men 
also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Verse 16, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. Thank you. Keep your scripture open. Feel free to take your seat as we walk through this scripture for just a little bit. Jude, as we know, this is our third week in the book of Jude. Jude has been writing a church, a letter to the church, warning them of false teachers. Last week, we saw in verse four that these false teachers are ungodly, that they have turned the grace of God into sin and that they are denying Christ and his deity. These false teachers have crept into the church. That's their deceptive way. Unnoticed, Scripture said. Remember we talked about when, when a false teacher can step in unnoticed, it's our fault because we should always be, Scripture teaches us, on guard, ready in this spiritual battle that we are in. We know that false teachers exist. And we know that God has in the past, we talked about this last week, and will in the future judge false teachers along with all who do not place their faith in Jesus Christ. These false teachers, as we just saw in Scripture, defile their flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of heavenly things. So let me give you a summary statement of these false teachers. Being ungodly, they therefore would not be saved individuals. They are separated from God, and they are lost in their sins. I was reading something else too. Well, let me get to this. Jude in verse 8, he gives these individuals, these false teachers that we've just read, he gives them a new name. He calls them dreamers. I believe this title gives us great insight into these people and also gives us great opportunity. So in the next few minutes, I want us to have a little insight into the dreamers, and then I want us to see what our responsibility or opportunity, given this knowledge, is. I want to see us move forward with this. You know, it's interesting. If we think of false teachers, we think that they're not godly. We know this part. But we tend to be thinking that not only are they not godly, but they are pro-Satan. We tend to think that they're following Satan's plans. The reality is, is when you look at this, look at verse 9 for just a second. I just want to point this out. It said, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when they were disputing over the body of Moses, that he said, I'm not going to say anything to you. That's God's job. Michael was abdicating his ability in Satan and abdicating the strength of running and allowing God to do this. What this tells me is that these false teachers, they're not claiming any knowledge. You know, if they don't know who God is, then they really don't acknowledge who Satan is. And so we need to understand that they are in this middle place of life. So let's start with the dreamers for just a second. Just a statement that Jeff's making, and, and you're studying and meditation, as we learned in the small groups, in some small groups this morning, is important. 
but I do not believe that these individuals woke up on this day and decided that they were just going to be a false teacher. I don't think they got up being that being their motivation. I have spent many years, as you guys know, uh, walking with some who have had uh, drug or alcohol or other types of addictions in their life. And as I've spoken to people about this, they never meant that to be where they ended up. They just started playing on the fringe of things, and the next thing you know, it took their lives over. And so these false teachers are a little bit like that. They have started working on the fringes, allowing things to be interpreted by themselves, their own heart, their own desires, wanting things to become true. But they didn't wake up that morning going, I think I'm just going to become a false teacher. Which means that it's reasonable to assume that they taught what they did because they believed what they taught. Then it's reasonable to assume that they believed what they believed and lived how they lived because they thought it was true. These individuals do not see themselves as being out of fellowship with God. But God's word says that they are. So these false teachers are lost and leaning upon their own understanding of things, and that's where we find them. Verse 10 says that they speak of what they do not know. Verse 10 also says that they act how they desire to act. And then Jude writes, verse 11, woe to them. This means that this ending, where they're heading, is not going to be a good ending. And they give us three examples about how God's judgment will come in. Verse 11 says that they have gone in the way of Cain. Now, I'm flipping to Genesis chapter 4. I'm already there. Let me just read Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, so we can understand a little bit more about the way of Cain. Genesis chapter 4, picking up at verse, eight, uh, verse 3, says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why does, has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain, verse 8, talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. False teachers do not come before God properly. They do not take direction or guidance as Cain did not. They take matters into their own hands as Cain did. They choose to lower others instead of raising themselves up before the Lord. Verse 11 says that they also run greedily into the way of Balaam, the error of Balaam. Now, if you're a note taker, you want to write down in your margin right here, Numbers 22, that's the chapter, through Numbers 24. So three chapters talk about Balaam. And the summary of this story with Balaam is that he was willing to curse God's people for a price. For money, he was willing to curse God's people. And if you read that story... 
the Lord was fighting against him and fighting against him, and Balaam kept going and kept going. And finally, they got to this point where Balaam's donkey talked with him. You know what's so funny? I stopped. I was reading this story, and you will too. I hope if you go and read Numbers 22 to 24, you'll read this story. And Balaam's donkey stops and speaks to Balaam. And Balaam just answers him. You know, I think it's interesting. I would have probably gone, I, I don't know. But his mistake was, his error was that he was willing to trade things to get what he wanted. Now, Balaam was also guilty, if you read in verse 25 of Numbers, of leading the people into worshiping such idols as Baal. Just think about Balaam. He was a man of God who was willing to let down everything to uh, take money to curse the people. And then his path continued, and he eventually led people to worship a false god. These dreamers are allowing their thirst for godly gain to become more important than serving God. Verse 11 gives us this third example, perished in the rebellion of Korah. So he's taken the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, and now it's the rebellion of Korah. Now, Numbers, if you're still taking notes, I'm not going there, but Numbers chapter 16 tells the story of Korah and his rebellion. But basically, Korah rose up a revolt against Moses and led a group of people to 250 people to revolt against Moses and his authority and his leadership. And since Moses was God's appointed leader, these people, while they don't believe it or not, they think they're fighting against Moses. The reality is, is they're fighting against God. And God has them all killed. You can read that in Numbers chapter 25, or number 16, I'm sorry. Even the matter in which they live is not right. Scripture tells us that they're like spots in the fellowship. Yesterday morning, I was um, vacuuming. Yes, I was vacuuming. Now, I don't claim to be much of a housekeeper, but I'll do my part because I think that's wise. Husbands, get this. The more you help, the better things are. There's some smart men just spoke up right then. The rest of you guys just got real, real quiet. But what happened is I was vacuuming in the living room, and then I noticed on the carpet these spots. And you can't just vacuum up a spot. It's a spot. So we happened to have, because we raised two boys, we faced lots of spots in life. And I got the stuff out there, and I sprayed it, and I let it sit there a minute, and then I scrubbed it, and then I got something dry, and I wiped it off, and those spots disappeared. But do you know what happens to those spots if I do nothing? Nothing. They stay there, and everybody sees them, and when you come over, you go, oh, there's the spot. <laughs> you know, last week, I told you that I have a smoke detector that's not hanging right. And now this morning, I told you I got spots on the carpet. Man, I'm not sounding like much to you guys, I know. But there's spots in the fellowship, in the love feast, Scripture says. And listen to these other descriptions in verses 12 and 13. These false teachers, these dreamers, verse 12 says they're selfish only after their own personal gain. They're clouds without water. 
means that they look like they're going to produce something, but in the end, they do not. They are trees without fruit. They are unclean. Have you ever been to the beach and you catch that bad day at the beach? We were there and one day the beach was bad because jellyfish were everywhere. And then sometimes after a storm, you'll go out to the beach and it's bringing in this crazy yucky foam. You guys remember that? You ever been to the beach and seen that? You're not going to let your granddaughter run through that. You know, you're going to try your best to find it. But they're saying that they are like waves that are bringing foaming waves. They're bringing the trash onto the beach. Verse 13, they are wandering stars. And you're going, Jeff, what's that mean? You go back and do the research. Back in first century times and even today, the stars are what people have used to lead them certain places, directions constellations and things like that. And they're saying that they are promising to lead people someplace, but they don't lead them anywhere except poorly and away from God. And verses 14 to 16 teach us that God is going to execute judgment. And if you'll notice, he's going to judge all, convict all, because all of their deeds are ungodly, in an ungodly way, God's going to come and judge them. Verse 14 says that he will come with his saints. Verse 15 says that they're going to convict all of those that are ungodly and to judge all of their ungodly deeds. These that God will judge, we get some good descriptions of them in verse 16. See if any of these might sound familiar. Grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust and their willingness to flatter for their own gain. They will say anything to get what's best for them. These people, these dreamers are facing a harsh judgment from God. Now, I had stated earlier that I believe that this title, dreamers, that's the one thing I knew early in the week that this dreamers was going to be the focus. I told you that these dreamers that this is a great opportunity for us to get insight into them, but it also gives us a great opportunity. So let's talk about this great opportunity. Look at verse 17. It says, But you, beloved, remember the words spoken before by the apostles of Jesus. Jude tells those who are followers of Christ, tells the church that we are to remember the words. What words? These words. Now, in the first century at this time, they didn't have all of the words that we have, but they could know God through the words that they did have. And through these words. Can I tell you that the word of God is a powerful weapon? That the word of God is truth? that the truth is the gospel of Jesus, and that if you do not know the word, you cannot be helpful, and if you begin to interact with those false teachers and you don't have the meditation on the word, which we learned in small group, if you don't have knowledge of God's word, when you bump into a false teacher, you are going to be at a disadvantage because you will not be taking in the power of God's word into that battle. And when you walk into that battle with a false teacher, you could be at risk. 
when you're going, well, I'm not going to put myself in a battle with a false teacher. Because we've been taught, if we're not careful, we can say, they're a false teacher. Run from them. Shun them. Do not talk. Do not see. Do not go. Do not be with them. But think about that for just a second. That means that they're destined to perish without God. And that's where dreamers, the phrase dreamers came into my thinking. Remember we called them dreamers? They believed what they thought they believed and were living based on what they thought they believed and then they were faithful in that. That they would even fight against Satan and speak bad against him even when God's angels would not, which means they don't really care for God or Satan. They're creating their own life, their own biblical understanding or a biblical understanding. Remember, they're dreamers. They speak, verse 10 says, of what they do not know. And they're acting, verse 10 says, as a natural man just doing what they want. So you've got these dreamers acting this way. And then you've got the church, the faithful, being called to remember the words of Jesus. And now we have to figure out what we are going to do with this. Jesus taught us to love others told us to give our lives, heart, soul, mind, and strength to him. We were also told to go and make disciples. When we hear about false teachers, so many times we run away from them. But perhaps we must recognize that they are victims themselves of being led away. They're dreamers. I really thought about this. I would like to believe that when people come in contact with the truth, with the word of God, with the gospel, that it will have a positive impact on their lives as they begin to learn about God. I was at a funeral on Friday. We had a death in our extended family. And Paul speaks in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which is a very common scripture for a uh, funeral. Paul speaks and he says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant about what happens to those who die. Now, we talked before when we were going through 1 Thessalonians. Ignorant just means don't know. It tends to take a really harsh tone these days, but it's just defined as don't know. So what if we the church, remember the words of Jesus? What if we as a church make the authority of God's word the authority in our life? What if we are ready to confront these spots that we see in our lives? And the only way we do that is through following the leadership of God. So we must remember the word. And then we must share the word to those who do not yet know it. And so you're going, Jeff, what should I do? What are you telling us to do? Well, James chapter 5, verse 20 says this, let him, who, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You know, it's an interesting thing when you go back and look at history 
I could name one spiritual leader after another spiritual leader that was really on fire for God, and then they got a hold of some bad teaching and doctrine, and then they fell away, and they didn't become as effective for the gospel. We've heard of these people. But I've also heard about people who were on the wrong side of God, didn't believe at all, but then when they were confronted with the gospel, it changed their lives, and they became powerfully used by God to share the gospel. And so we have to recognize that on this side of heaven, the Lord doesn't want anybody to perish, which means that we don't ever get the right just to sign somebody else over and say, you're going to be separated from God forever. As a church, we must rise up, understand God's word, and be ready to share it with people that we come in contact with. That's how they will come to know and understand. Because these dreamers, they spoke about things they didn't know about. What happens if we take time to teach them? to encourage them. But here's the warning I want to give you, church. You're going, Jeff, so we should have conversations and talk with people who have non-godly beliefs. Yes. But please make sure that you have spent your diligent time in the Word so that the Holy Spirit of God can move and work in you and tell you what to say, how to say during those opportunities that God will bring to pass. So I think it's interesting how Jude is warning us of false teachers. Yes, we need to be ready so that we don't fall into that. But I believe later on, by the word dreamers, he's telling us that we need to be ready not just to be careful of the church, but to be effective as a church, reaching out to other people to help them know the truth. Dreamers. I don't know what, as a church, we're supposed to do. But as an individual, I know that I need to be diligently in God's Word. I need to be praying, and I need to be walking in life with my head up and my eyes open so that I can follow what the Lord will teach me and tell me to do, and hopefully that will be an effective witness and help other people who do not know come to know the gospel. Amen? I've told you that everything that we do here, like fall festival, fall festival was, it was a big night of games. Some of it was work. I know some of you guys, when you worked on certain areas and certain games, it was work. It was hard, but it was fun. But the cool thing is, is that through doing things like this, we interact with all kinds of people in our community. Some came that already have a church home, and some came that didn't have a church home. And hopefully, if you're here today and, and you don't have a church home, you will feel comfortable in coming back and returning and learning more about God's great love for you. 